of Today on Broadway for Thursday, July 12th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, today is Thursday, July 12th. That means tomorrow is Friday, July 13th. So I would highly recommend that if you have something important to do that has to be done before the weekend, get it done today. Don't take the risk of doing it tomorrow. I am not a superstitious person, but uh, might not want to tempt fate. I'm just saying. You know, if you're a procrastinator, you can always do it Saturday the 14th. I mean, depending on what it is, yes, I suppose. I, I'm not a uh, superstitious or astrologically inclined person. I don't believe in any of that stuff. But I know plenty of people who, if anything goes bad, they're going to blame it on Friday the 13th. So you might as well just get important stuff out of the way so you don't have that hanging over your head, you know, and, and in the back of your mind in case anything does go wrong. Another good tip brought to you by Broadway Radio. <laughs> that and your Slurpees from yesterday. Exactly. All right. First up in the news. Oh, I couldn't <laughs> believe when I saw this happen. The play that goes wrong made another mistake. Yes, but this is a good mistake, James. Yeah. You'll remember earlier this year, the, the longest running play on Broadway, which we'll be able to see for a little while longer, announced that it would close on August 26th. But apparently they screwed that up because yesterday producers announced that the show would, in fact, now be on sale through January 16th of 2019 at Sixth. the Lyceum Theater. Sixth. What did I say? 16th. Sixth, yes, I'm reading it in the script, and there's no one there. January 6th at the Lyceum Theater. When the show gets to January 6th, it will have played 772 total performances, the second most in the house's history behind the original 1947 production of Born Yesterday. Now, James, I, I have to admit, I was pleasantly surprised by this, but probably more surprised than pleasantly. Not that I wasn't pleasantly surprised, but this is just kind of surprising um one because the show's national tour is scheduled to launch in september and i assumed and i think i might have even said it on this show that i figured that the props and the costumes and maybe some of the sets and much of the cast would probably go on the road post-closing but apparently that won't be happening now however the thing that surprises me even more is the fact that having announced a closing date that by allowing them to extend i guess that means that the Schuberts didn't think that they had a viable alternative to go into the space this fall. Uh, there's so many shows that we know that want to come to Broadway. I mean, perhaps the Schuberts have something in mind that they really want to have in the Lyceum in the spring. So this was easier to let them extend rather than trying to find a limited run. Um, but it just seems like there would certainly be plenty of shows that want to come to Broadway at the Lyceum Theater, even though it is somewhat of an awkward seating capacity. It's uh, a little over 900, so it's kind of big for a play, depending on what it is, and kind of small for a musical. So maybe it's just a hard sell. But I was surprised mostly from the real estate perspective, James, because we always talk about there's a, a glut of shows that want to come in, but not many spaces for them to go. You talk about the Schubert's and all these moves in the theaters and everything. It just reminds me that each game of chess means there's one less variation to be played. I don't, I don't know anything about chess, James. Explain to me what you mean. Mm, can't explain it right now. All right. Next up oh. in the news, oh. we had a lot of Broadway show and casting news yesterday. 
Yes, we did. It was this was weird, James. We haven't had a, a big, as you called it uh, before we started a Wednesday news dump in a while. So I'm going to run through a bunch of stories. James, if anything pops out at you and you want to chat about, please feel free to stop me. But first up, the Manhattan Theater Club announced the initial casting for the American premiere of Richard Bean's play The Nap, which is scheduled to begin performances at the Freedman on September 5th. Leading the cast will be Tony nominees Johanna Day and John Ellison Conley, as well as Alexandra Billings, Heather Lind and more. Directed by Daniel Sullivan, the show is a funny look at the world of snooker, the British version of pool. Richard Bean, for many uh, fans here in the U.S., probably know him best as the playwright behind One Man, Two Governors. So you can imagine this will be quite the hilarious romp. Now, interestingly, with Conley coming back to Broadway, I, I don't know how long this run is scheduled to be. It's a limited run, so MTC could extend if it goes well. But he's coming back to Broadway in this in the fall. His wife, Celia Keenan-Bolger, will also be coming back to the Great White Way this fall in To Kill a Mockingbird. So that will uh, have some interesting uh, scheduling things that they'll have to do with their child. And speaking of married couples on Broadway with a young child, yesterday the producers of A Waitress announced that real-life husband and wife Adam Shapiro and Scandal star Katie Lowe's would be joining the show this coming Tuesday as Dawn and Ogie. They also have a, uh, a newborn, I think less than a year or so old. I'm on the record as being a huge Scandal fan, but I have to say Katie Lowe's and another Broadway alum, Bellamy Young, were my two favorites on the show. So I'm super excited that Katie and Adam will be making their Broadway debut views together. While the couple are most known for their screen work, Adam is the co-founder of the I Am A Theater in Los Angeles, and Katie is the co-artistic director. The theater just finished its 10th anniversary season as well, so congrats to them all around. Now, James, I know your wife was also a big Scandal fan, though she didn't love Quinn, Katie's character. Yeah, uh, and I can't explain that because I thought Quinn was the... Uh, was it Quinn or Huck that had the biggest range in character development? What do you think? I think it was Quinn because she started off as this innocent, yeah. wide-eyed person. And then at the end, she was a – well, in the middle, she became a cold-blooded assassin spoiler with a little alert, bit of a – Spoiler alert. The show's canceled. They can get over it. Um, but she's great. But your wife doesn't like her. Uh, Jennifer McHugh, uh, my co-host over on uh, Some Like It Pop, which we haven't done in a show in a long time. But anyway, I was talking to her today. She also was not a Quinn fan. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, whatever. But yeah. either way, I'm really excited. And that means that Katie and Carrie Washington will be on Broadway this season. I'm not sure how long Katie's going to stay. So maybe they'll overlap. Maybe not. But anyway, also on Wednesday, we learned that the boys in the band will give a special Midnight Actors Fund performance on July 26th at it's they always say July 26th at 11:59 p.m. It's the midnight shows, but they don't want to confuse you if they say it's midnight on the 26th. Is that mm. the morning of the 26th? And it, so it's it's the the night of July 26th. Tickets are now on sale. OK, James, those first three stories in this section were normal. They were, you know, normal casting and, and, and actors fun stuff. These next two each have an element that is a bit head scratching. So first, yesterday we learned that apparently producers Pam Laudenslager and Colleen Lober have launched a new production company called Center Stage Capital and that they are currently developing a number of shows for the stage led by. Green Acres is the place for me. 
Yeah, for, uh, Green Acres the Musical, the show that everybody in the theater community was clamoring for. The company is also developing an off-Broadway rock musical called Mother Eve's Secret Garden of Sensual Sisterhood, an immersive sensory experience called Empyria, and a show about Pulitzer Prize photojournalist David Hume Kennerly. Now, I say all four of these shows because that plays into how center capital or center stage capital is going to work. They say, quote, they're, they say that they are going to, quote, feature an innovative, new, disruptive business model for funding by allowing the investor to engage directly in a portfolio of four original theatrical productions. This will mitigate risk through diversification and could reduce the risk inherent in investing in theater via the traditional model of investing in individual productions. Good luck to that. And uh, finally, in this section, James, yesterday's stage and screen producer Craig Zidane tweeted out a picture of both Catherine McPhee and Megan Hilty in their full Marilyn Monroe garb from Smash, which Craig and his partner Neil Marin were EPs for. And his tweet said, quote, anyone missing our stars of Smash when we eventually bring Bombshell to Broadway as a new Broadway musical? Hopefully they'll be back where they belong. Be patient. We and our team are working on it now. We've known that they were planning on trying to make Bombshell into a Broadway show for a while. So that's not new. What raises some questions for me, James, is why would both Kat and Megan be back with the show if they were planning on presenting Bombshell as its own musical to get both of them in there? As far as I can imagine, you would have to have the smash framing device around Bombshell, right? Why else would you have two people playing Marilyn would I mean they don't need these two don't need alternates they are they've led our leading or have led Broadway shows before so I it seems a little weird to me um now obviously Neil and Craig are far more creative and experienced and know what the hell they're doing far more than I do but this seems weird to me especially because we also know that they're working on another Marilyn Monroe related project in some like it hot the musical so I, I don't know what's going on here but the fact that he just tweeted this out no other news around and saying that they're hoping that both Hilty and McPhee can be a part of it that seems weird to me right or am I missing something did he say anything about pulling out a NATO no, but I heard Greece is going to be in NATO, so they can take our place. Oh, good. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not the most dangerous thing said on Twitter yesterday. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> well, depends on what community you're in, but maybe. Oh uh, boy, I hope Robbie Rizal is not driving down the Pacific Coast Highway and drives off the edge if he heard that. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh you know, uh, maybe he's going to put one of them in the Some Like It Hot and one of them in a bombshell type of show. Could or be. maybe there'll be some sort of smash light framing device type of thing that hints at smash but is not actually smash for some legal reason or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> so we'll have to... Uh, We'll have to keep our eyes on this and, and stay tuned. All right. What do we have in the recommendation section? 
All right, I've got three things, and we've got a bunch of news, so I, I'm only going to go through them real quickly. But first off, um, yesterday, or actually on Tuesday, uh, Tony nominee Bobby Steggert published an open letter in, on Medium talking about how he has effectively left his acting career behind. He has gotten his master's degree in social work, and he's going to be focusing on that. This open letter has been uh, fairly contentious in certain internet circles, the Broadway world message boards in, in specific, <laughs> um, were people feeling it was a bit self-aggrandizing and uh, a little um, pretentious, so to speak. But what it was actually at the bottom of this message is saying that with a commercialism of Broadway and how if you're going to be a professional actor, you have to worry about the professional side of these this thing. Um, Bobby didn't feel that he was getting the most out of the, his career and not giving as much as he wanted to be giving through his career, which is why he decided to make a change. So Bobby Steggert's one of those a actors who seemed like he was the next big star for a few years, actually for more than a few years. Um, and that never happened. And now we obviously kind of know at least a little bit why. So if you want to read that whole letter, uh, we will have a link in the show notes. Then the other, another recommendation, James, you sent this over to me. So I don't know if you want to talk about it. It is the periodic table <laughs> of belting. <laughs> so uh, if you can envision in your head, the periodic table, uh, and all the little boxes that are in the periodic table, um, someone has put in names to all of the boxes of the best belters on Broadway. And so I wasn't sure who to attribute this to, but I saw it on Randy Blair's uh, Facebook page. I guess it, it's public, so I guess it's okay to attribute it to him, and we can yeah. link link to it in the show notes, but... From top left, it goes uh, Ethel Merman, Beth Level, Barbara Streisand, Nancy Opel, Audra McDonald, all the way on the left. And on the right-hand side, you have people like Patti LuPone, Sutton Foster, Mary Testa, Sherry Renee Scott, Lilia Slight, Laura Benanti, Jennifer Holliday. It is yeah. hysterical. And Yeah, but here's yeah. my problem. Some of these people aren't belters. Aren't belters. Uh, and because the periodic table is, you know, a crosshatch, a... a, a, a cross uh, section of all of the elements so surely yeah. it maybe it should be the periodic table of singing yeah i just i, I feel like putting audra mcdonald yeah. next to you know it, between nancy opal and carolee carmelo and not over on the other side with people um uh like laura benanti and and some i i lost it um, oh um barbara cook and, and angela lansbury it seems like it's a little disjointed but either way it's fun to look at all these people and kind of see where all of them are absolutely in fact there there should be some sort of bit broadway bingo that we could do here <laughs> or something yeah, like that absolutely. I, I can't even I, i'm trying to think on the fly here audra I can't think of her belting anything ever. Uh, uh, I mean, I think Sarah from Ragtime might have a uh, little bit, uh, maybe a little mix uh, yeah. in there. But but that's, you know, most of her stuff is is more legit, um, which so, she's amazing yeah, at. Yeah. Uh, listeners out there, uh, tweet at us and let us know uh, your favorite Audra belting songs. I mean, uh, I'd be interested to see what everybody comes up with. Yeah. All right. My last recommendation is an article from American Theater. And it, we, James, we had talked about this production, so I thought it was perfect. Um, I have been a longtime fan of the Serenby Playhouse in Atlanta. We talked about the fact that oh, they yeah. are doing a Titanic. You asked, are they actually going to sink the boat? Mm -hmm. And the answer is yes. 
they are going to sink the boat, at least parts of it, every night. And Frank Rizzo, writing for uh, American Theater, talked with the artistic director, Brian Cloudis, uh, about how they, they're, they're doing this, what goes into that, both from a tech perspective, a safety perspective, an actor perspective. Um, it's really fantastic. And, and they have a, a great artist's rendering um, of what the set will look like. If you follow, you really should follow Brian Cloudis on uh on on instagram he's a great follow but uh, a really interesting stuff to see a theater community or theater company doing things very different than um you know you would normally uh you see so uh, we really should i should probably reach out to brian and see if we can get him on an episode because oh, he's be awesome. uh he's a great guy I, and, and we, we've been friends for a long time so um check that out in the show notes and if you're in the atlanta area it's about 30 miles southwest of downtown atlanta on a 40 acre new urbanism community i don't know what that means but it's like kind of like a little hippie commune um but it's huge and it's gorgeous and they do great stuff and this is the company that did saigon with a real helicopter yes. that flew Yes, and they had a a Ferris wheel and yeah. a carousel for carousel. They did a did uh, Oklahoma in a barn. Um, just really, really great stuff. <laughs> wow, I would see damn Yankees on a whole entire baseball field. <laughs> I mean, it's big or in, big enough out or there. Or in hell, yeah, uh, yeah. Hades Town. Oh, do not oh. see Hades Town oh. out there. Do not, do not. <laughs> Well, that's funny. Dev went down to Georgia and he was looking for soul to steal. All right. He's in Georgia. Yeah. Okay, Matt, what else do you have in the other news? Okay, so got a, a few things here, and we're going to end with one that I want to talk about here, James. But yesterday was announced that Tony winner Shuler Hensley would be joining the company of the Shakespeare in the Park musical adaptation of Twelfth Night as Sir Toby Belch, replacing the previously announced Jacob Ming Trent, who had a scheduling conflict. Now, the, this is one of those uh, – it's kind of – this was previously done as a public works show, so they're going to keep many elements of that even though it is an official Shakespeare in the Park production this year. The equity company will include Nikki M. James and – Andrew Kober, Shayna Taub, and more. And they'll be joined by two rotating ensembles of community members from all five boroughs who will perform together on the Delacorte stage from July 17th through August 19th. Next, the Irish rep announced an extension for the Melissa Errico and Stephen Bagardis-led revival of On a Clear Day You Can See Forever ahead of its opening night tonight. The show was originally scheduled to close on uh, August 12th, but will now run until September 6th. And finally, James... This story is another weird one, and I'm not sure if I completely buy the explanation that we were given. But according to numerous outlets, including our former guest, uh, Mark Hirschberg at Forbes, on Tuesday, Telecharge allegedly made a mistake with the pricing for a discounted group of tickets for the upcoming musical Getting the Band Back Together. Instead of the discounted price being $169.50, for four hours, tickets were sold for $16.95, leaving off the final zero. Now, okay, there was a mistake somewhere. Here's where it gets interesting. The show's producer, Ken Davenport, and that might be why I'm hesitant to believe this story, said, quote, When we were alerted to the issue, it was immediately corrected. We will, of course, honor any tickets purchased at the lower price. The working theory, according to uh, Mark's article, is that the show's GM filled out the form incorrectly when submitting the discounted ticket price to Telecharge. Now, James, I... I mean, I, it's that's logical, I guess, but I also know that telecharge or to, to, to because I handle all of the discounted listings on Broadway World, I know that discounts have to go through 
a number of levels of approval before they can get signed off on. I also know that Telecharge manually checks every single credit card purchase. That's why you don't you you get a confirmation that you submitted it, but you don't get your tickets until later. So that's why there's that delay in Telecharge of up to a few days. So knowing all the kind of the background machinations of this, am I being too cynical with good old Mr. Davenport here? Which four hours were on, was it on it was, sale for? <laughs> it was the it was the middle of the day because there were people commenting on it on the message boards, and I was kind of following along with people saying, "All right, well, that's finally a price that I'm willing to pay to see this show." So, um, I any word I, on how many tickets were sold, and did Rob that, Johnston get a bunch of them? <laughs> I don't know that he wants to after all the other stuff that they've been doing. Yeah. Um, they they did not did not say in the Forbes article or any of the other reporting on this how many tickets were actually sold. But I know that there were people who, according to the message board, um, had gone in at the tail end of that and put some of the 1695 tickets in their cart. But by the time they got to check out, they had gone up to the regular price. So that does lend some credence to this story being told. However, I just feel like there's so many levels of redundancy in the process to yeah. change a ticket price. Um, that certainly that would have been caught at some point, I would assume. And why has this never happened before? Uh, you know, it's I mean, because there are so many different levels of redundancy yeah. to get a discounted price changed on on telecharge. So I don't know what the uh, open rate for advertising on Forbes is, but they got a lot of uh, <laughs> putting exactly. the band back together, got a lot of coverage on Forbes and various other uh, venues, including this one. Uh, so yeah, maybe well, it paid off. Right. And that's why, I, that's why I kind of feel like this is a marketing thing. We know that Ken Davenport, for all of the good and bad th stuff that he does, he is not opposed to making a splash and trying to do things outside the box. Will this, you know, what, however many tickets they sold at a discounted rate, they are honoring those because, as the article said, it's not believed the mistake was actually telecharges. So it's getting out there. People are talking about the show more than if he would have paid for advertising. So whatever the loss of in, in ticket revenue for those four hours, I'm sure they are getting so much more earned media than if they had actually paid for traditional advertising. Same thing with with um, Katie Lowe's and Adam Shapiro going into Waitress. I don't know that there's a ton of people that are going to go see this show because they're in it. If I was in New York, I would. But, you know, they've already got Eric Bergen in it. They've already got Kat McPhee in it. But even if people aren't going to say, oh, Katie Lowe is in Katie Lowe's is in the show, I'm going to go see it. There's still a lot more discussion about waitress for this day or tomorrow. So it's, you know, whether or not people bought tickets specifically because of this, who knows, but both for, for getting the band back together and waitress, they're getting the name out into the community and people are talking about it more than they would with any just normal run of the mill advertising pushes. So basically what you're saying is that we are part of the problem. Oh no, no, no. We are <laughs> We we are the problem. You, me, Broadway stars, Broadway world. You know, it, it, they're, I mean, they're, we have to talk about these things because they're part <laughs> yeah. of the community. And that's why they're done, because they know that outlets like ours will discuss them. We'll put them out there. People on Twitter will pick them up and discuss them. People will argue about it on the message boards. It's part of the ecosystem. We're like the, the, the snake eating its tail. You know, it's how it works. 
We are part of the machine. Rage in the machine. <laughs> All right. On that note, why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMAT. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Thursday with us. And come on back tomorrow and Matt and I will get you into the weekend. 